Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Pammy Alvarez is the CEO and founder of Career Winners Circle, a comprehensive collection of coaching and training programs designed to strengthen leaders to grow their careers quickly and sustainably. Her spirited break all the rules approach blends decades of C-suite experience on Wall Street with a pragmatic results-based coaching style. She is an inspirational coach, trainer, and epic storyteller who delivers transformative learning experiences for her global client base. She believes the heart of every successful business is leaders who inspire courage. I totally agree with that, Tammy. And welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast today. Uh, thanks, Emily. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you found us. Um, I would love to start out by just hearing about your background. I know you come from the world of Wall Street. Uh, some, some of our listeners might not be super familiar with that. What does that exactly mean? Yeah, so um, it's a lot of, you know, the regular banking that we all know about, right? In terms of the banks you go to, the banks that we use, also investment banking. So stocks, bonds, trading, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the part of uh, banking that I was most involved in is when we bank the other banks. Um, so other banks need banks too. And so it just all is this big hodgepodge of global money uh, mm -hmm. that just gets managed and moved and all that kind of fun stuff. So that's uh, you know, at a high level what, what Wall Street is. Yeah. Okay. And so some of the banks that you've worked for, are you allowed to tell us what some of the banks oh, are? Oh yeah. It's on my resume. It's on my LinkedIn okay. profile. It's not a secret, right? So yeah. um, I spent a lot of time at Bank America, you know, Bank Liumi is an Israeli bank that was uh, also based in New York. So I spent some time mm -hmm. there. And then also with AIG, which is an insurance company, but they also have a strong investment bank presence, um, you know, on the market and on the street. So a lot of time in financially based, you know, Fortune 100 companies, um, and then a few smaller ones along the way too. Now, I can only imagine that the world of finance and Wall Street is probably a bit of a male populated area. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> And before that, I was in tech, right? So it's okay. Like, I've been playing with the boys since I started, right? I in love that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, how did you get into fi the finance field? Did you start out studying that in college? No, actually, I have a very um, untraditional upbringing. Um, I didn't go to college. I didn't get my degree until I was 40. And, uh, you know, not too much drama, but when I was young, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, I wasn't very good in school, didn't have a lot of motivation. And so after I graduated high school, I just went to work and I figured oh, I'll go to college in a year or two and, you know, kind of get back on track. Well, I kept getting promoted and I kept doing <laughs> things that I loved and I kept, you know, oh, I want to do this. And I had the benefit of some amazing, amazing mentors very early and actually throughout my career. And so my career just snowballed and then well, I got what, married. Wait, what, what job, what job did you get okay. after high school that right. led you to these promotions? So I started my career in recruiting, um, but I recruited uh, light industrial, like basically day laborers for manpower. 
And so at the time, like I'm dating myself a little bit here, but you, you know, there was no automation. There were computers. You would go to a warehouse, meet the hiring manager, figure out how many packers they needed for their warehouse. And then, you know, when you got back to the office, then you bring people come in for work and you try and match them up and hope they showed up the next day and all that crazy stuff. So that's how I started my career. Um, again, was in light industrial. It was in all, you know, I was in a business doing a hard hat, right? At 18 mm-hmm. years old and wondered why everyone loved me. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is so easy. And, um, but the owner of the franchise, it was in South Jersey, I'm, you know, originally from New York metro area. And so I moved to South Jersey, Philadelphia area and Marty Klein, I will never forget him. Um, he owned the franchise. And so I started just working the light industrial desk, which is not fun, but it was, I loved it. And then he kept giving more responsibility. And so as new opportunities came up or as new, you know, business challenges happened, he gave me the ability to just try it. Now mm-hmm. I never went to college, wasn't very smart. And, you know, I didn't know I wasn't, this wasn't how it happened for everyone. And so I had no fear. I had no risk tolerance because I was playing like I had nothing to lose because I didn't have anything to lose. And that was a very, you don't know it at the time, but that was so instrumental in me having my confidence Mm -hmm. to just really be able to take risks and, you know, slot into very male dominated industries comfortably. Um, And I mean, I think Marty, Marty. Klein, he must have recognized in you something very immediately and early on in, in your work ethic. Yeah, and you said you weren't very smart. I think that's probably the exact opposite. Well, street smart, <laughs> not book smart, right? So yeah. <laughs> of what was realized, and I'm, I'm sure he recognized that. And that's how, that's part of the reason. I, I think it's great that you have a mentor like that, that you can credit. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have other mentors also? Oh, for sure. Right. So, um, you know, when I was, when I first got into banking, uh, cause I was, so from, from that, you know, and I yeah, was let's talk the, about how you got into banking. Yeah. Like how that pivot made it. Right. So yeah. from the manpower days, ultimately ended up starting a technical division, you know, placing computer programmers and it people and engineers and scientists. So mm-hmm. I started that division when that started to become a thing. Um, and then I moved back to New York and uh, all of our clients were wall street. And mm. so I was the man- at 35 years old, I was a managing director for this IT um, company and was see- overseeing the global services that we provided for all the Wall Street firms, like all over the world. And it was starting to get bored. Like, it, you know, the industry become commoditized. It was starting to get automated. And it just wasn't very much fun anymore. And uh, so one of my clients at Bank of America, Dan Choi, who was another big mentor of mine, um, he's like, why don't you come work for me? And I'm like... I don't know anything about it, but sure. Um, of course, I didn't know I had a college degree, so or I didn't have a college degree, so we had that hurdle to overcome with HR. Um, but then I moved in as his chief operating officer for the division he ran at the bank, um, and just kind of earned my chops that way. But Dan was a great mentor because I moved from you know a big company, but I was running small branches, you know, uh-huh. to big corporate. And one of my first jobs there, I was there for maybe, I don't know, a month or two. I had to reorganize 5,000 people. Now, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anyone. I didn't, I knew banking from the outside, not from the inside. Didn't know any of the politics or anything. And I'm like, me? Like, why? And the reason why is because they were going through financial difficulties. Um, They had a decentralized operating model. So every business unit had their own tech. And so you Mm -hmm. had to consolidate and centralize to save money. 
but no one really knew how to run a consulting model in that environment. And I had spent my whole life in consulting. So I had the natural skills they needed that weren't available in a 400,000 person bank. And, you know, so that's why they asked me to lead that. Plus I didn't know anyone. So I wasn't political yet. You know, I didn't know who to piss off, who not to piss off. I could just take like a just general common sense approach. And so, yeah, that was my first foray into, into banking. Tammy, you went from a high, okay. A high school diploma, just into the work world, into the banking world. And you became COO of a company, of a bank or a bank. Yeah, I was, the, I was one of the mini ones, right? So right. our ultimate got to be a big one, right? The big C. Um, so each division has their own operations, like, you know, COO, chief of staff, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So each, but yes, it was a very high level position. Um, again, you want to talk about imposter syndrome, not feeling like I belong there. Um, yeah, I was always, you know, or <laughs> until recently anyway, um, you know, the youngest one in the room, the only female in the room, and I didn't belong. Right. I always felt like I was in over my skis and I'm like, I don't know what they think I can do from day one until eventually I, you know, got the hang of it. But, you know, so these were the types of things that I just grew up with naturally as Mm -hmm. I was, you know, moving forward in my career. So you, you knew you were experiencing this and were you trying to hide it and just kind of play it? Absolutely. Right. I, 100%. I was like, make it till you make it like that duck, you know, calm on the top, paddling like crazy on the bottom, um, all the things. Right. So yes, it was, you know, I was always felt like I was just one meeting away from, you know, being seen as a total fraud and, you know, all those kind of, and, and so it really helps me from my coaching practice, especially we've got a, a women in leadership, um, you know, coaching program and mm-hmm. been there. Right. And I know what it feels like to be challenged, you know, and I know what it feels like to be mansplained to before it was a thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and what it feels like to have a different opinion and feel like you don't belong, but still have the accountability to make an impact. And so, you know, all of those things just uh, makes it a little messy. Right. But I think having yeah. gone through it time and time again and learned what worked for me, I can at least share that experience with, you know, our colleagues and clients so they can find their journey forward as well. What now, at what point did you decide to go back and get your degree? Okay. So, um, this really pissed me off. I was so angry. So I was, everything was great. Everything was moving forward. It was never a gating factor. And I was being a value considered to sit on a board of directors for a tech startup Mm -hmm. and we were a perfect fit. Right. All my, you know, connections from my career could have helped grow their company. You know, my operations background, you know, it was amateur hour because they were startups. That was all good. We loved each other. Everything was great. I got DQ'd because I didn't have a degree. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so literally when I was 40 years old, I decided, all right, we're going to check this box. And I got it done. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's why I got it. And it was more out of anger than anything else. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, and Honestly, I didn't learn much at that point. Right? I was going to say, did you learn anything? <laughs> you, I mean, you've clearly already learned everything at this point that you would. That you would and I, obviously, I went into a degree I knew about, right? It was international business. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to top most of the classes I took, but that's okay. You know, it was an interesting experience. I checked the box, you, you know, so that part is done. Yeah. Now they can't say that again. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, you, at what point did you decide you wanted to go and start your own business, your own consulting business, Career Winner Circle? Yeah. Um, 
at the point I no longer loved what I did. Mm-hmm. And I had become known as a transformation expert, you know, in, in the financial services industry. So whenever there was drama, whenever there was massive change, whenever there was disruption, buildings were burning, my team and I were running in. And fortunately in financial services, that happens every day. So I was never mm-hmm. bored. And so, um, and I loved that adrenaline junkie, big problems, complexity, politics, you name it, I loved it all. And I remember um, sitting in the boardroom after an earnings call. And the earnings sucked and, you know, every morale was down and, you know, over the past year before that, I started to fall out of love with what I did. Um, but I really doubled down on my team and helped them get where they wanted to be. That's where I translate transferred my joy. Um, and, you know, I just got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. even if I left the company I was at, it's just the same crap, different acronyms. Right. And I'm like, I'm done. And so Quite literally, when I made that decision, six months later, cashed out of Wall Street, moved to a tropical island in Central America, and started this coaching company. Um, so we lived in Belize for five years. We just left uh, Belize, and now we're living in Mexico City. Um, but I just decided that it's time for a massive change. And my daughter was graduating college, so she was off the payroll. My big fancy apartment rent was coming due, so I didn't have to renew that. And I'm like, let's go. And so we spent five years growing this business, having no idea what I was doing, um, and scuba diving in the mornings, which is always a fun way to start. Oh, wow, well, living the dream for sure. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so are you, what's going on there with the, I have to ask, are you safe from the volcano? Uh, we're not far. We're about an hour away from the volcano. And so it's fun to watch on TV, but it's the wind is blowing in the opposite direction. So yeah, we're fine. Okay. <laughs> the good, villages good. by the volcano are not so fine. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, so we've been here for three weeks and so far we've had a small earthquake, uh, a hailstorm that's been crazy and a volcano explodes. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun here, you know? <laughs> so, definitely fun crazy things to weather. do in addition to learning Spanish, right? So it's all good. Yeah. But what an adventure that you're on there. Um, okay. So, so you started, is it, is it you all by yourself doing the business or do you, are you have a team? It it started out that way, right? Solopreneur doing my own thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so over the past couple of years, we've been scaling in a big way. Mm -hmm. So we've got five coaches on the team. Now we're hiring another five by the end of the year. Um, And then we'll continue to grow. So we find that the need for what we do is Mm -hmm. significant, right? And I think the, the more challenging things get, in terms of the economy and in terms of mental health and in terms of, you know, equality and equity and all of those things that um, everyone is strapped and taxed, you know, companies can't support their people the way they'd like to in many ways. And so there's, there's a lot of um, demand for the resources and the services that we deliver. People are going outside their, their companies to find for that. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, and quite frankly, if you want to coach, you want to go outside. Right. Internal Mm -hmm. coaches are great, but they're internal, right? Mm -hmm. They know you, they know the strategy, they know where you fit in the grand scheme of things. And so, you know, being impartial is a little more difficult, not impossible, Mm -hmm. but a little bit more difficult. And so you can also have those conversations with us that you can't have with other people in HR. Tell us what exactly Career Winner Circle is, what what you're doing, um, who your audience is. Sure. Um, so we are a coaching, training, and advisory firm. Um, and we've got three primary areas that we serve. Um, one is in the career strategy space. So we help people pivot into careers they've never done before. And so a lot of times when you start to get into your career, you do it because that's what you study. 
right? Or that's what you're supposed to do, or that's the first job you got. And then opportunities come and you just go with the flow. That's often, Mm -hmm. you know, most often how that happens. And then all of a sudden you start looking around and you're like, I don't like this anymore, but I don't know what I want to do. And I can't sell everything, live in a year and be a barista. So I got to figure this out. So we have a program that helps people figure that out. Like, what is that next best thing for you at any point in time in your career? And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a secret sauce to that, right? So we spend a lot of time doing that. We work with leaders in terms of leadership development. And Mm -hmm. so really helping people find authentic ways to become the leader that people choose to follow. And I think it becomes increasingly difficult for women, especially, you know, in male-dominated industries. It's like, how do you have that authenticity? How do you fit in? You know, when do you push? When do you pull? And all Mm -hmm. of those things. And so we really help all leaders, but we have a an own your power program, which is our women in leadership program, and uh, that that really helps people dial that in and find that authentic leadership style. Um, And then we also help entrepreneurs and small businesses grow and and scale their business um, and fall back in love with it, right? If they you know if they're falling out of love with their company. Let's dig into the leadership development portion for a moment. Yeah. Because I know you mentioned that a lot of uh, your customers, your clients, I should say, are women in these male populated industries. Um, And it is really tricky to develop your leadership style when you are seen as your identity, right? You're seen as a woman, you are a woman. So how, what, how do you, are you coaching people to handle that and to start developing their own style, uh, you know, while navigating that rocky terrain? Yeah. And so, so what we focus on, so whether male, female, or non-binary, right? So, uh, you know, yeah. all rules apply here, but at the end of the day, there's a fundamental binding component and that's mm-hmm. impact. And so if you are driving and delivering impact, that is the one thing everyone can agree is good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So you're driving business results or you're generating sales or you're reducing costs or, you know, you're, you know, creating the culture that the organization needs to thrive and succeed. And so, so that is our rallying cry. That is our true North. And Mm -hmm. so when we work with women, particularly in male dominated industries, you know, STEM fields and things like that, um, you know, we really focus on what does the business need you to deliver? And Mm -hmm. what's the most authentic way for you to do that? And so it's less about how you're seen mm-hmm. and more about what you deliver. Now, you know, trust me, I've worked with some women who are broken glass everywhere, right? So that's not good either, right? You can't deliver big results and just have dead bodies everywhere. Um, <laughs> you know, so you want to have that blend, but we focus so much on, you know, what people say, the side look, the, you know, we assume a lot in terms of mm-hmm. people's intentions. And at the end of the day, when you really focus on, what does the business need from you and how can you meet or exceed those expectations with you and or your team? And then when you get clear on what you need to do to make that impact, then we work on how. And, you know, what do we have to shore up in terms of either self-confidence or the inner critic, like I struggled with forever and, you know, or is it a skill? right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're terrible at reading financial statements, or maybe you don't know how to read a schematic that, you know, has been done. Whatever the case may be, we kind of break down um, that leader's capabilities into mindset, meaning that you're your biggest problem here. So let's find ways to identify it, mitigate it, and shorten the cycle, or skill-based. Like, I'll give you a great example. I'm terrible at math. Terrible. Like, I don't think letters and numbers should be together, right? I just think it's <laughs> 
thankfully my husband is a mathematician. So, you know, that's all good. <laughs> However, you know, um, I need, I was in financial services. So when there were meetings about metrics or, you know, I could do financial statements, that was easy, right? I, you know, that was my big checkbook. So I understood that, but metrics and percentages and, you know, statistical variations and all these things, my little brain just kind of exploded and I froze up because I'm like, you know what? I can't contribute here because I'm afraid if I ask a question, it's going to show that I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I realized, okay, you can learn this just because you took a pass in high school and didn't bother. It's not too mm-hmm. late. It's, you know, no one is born knowing this. Well, few, right. So, and then, so I just got training, right. I hired, mm-hmm. I hired a teacher and just showed me what I didn't know. And then mm-hmm. I also pre-gamed with my teens. I'm like, all right, let's walk through this, right? So I understood the, you know, the why behind the numbers, the what behind the numbers. So I could engage because when I yeah. just stepped back, I wasn't my best self for anyone. Mm. Now, a lot of impact, you're talking about the impact that you're making through, a lot of it is the skills and, um, you know, creating the results that are required for the job. Um, and a lot of, I mean, I can imagine that some people can get things like this done while being maybe quiet, by being an introvert, not really showing leadership skills per se. Um, what, so how do we go beyond the, I guess the impact that we're making through doing our job properly and move on beyond just doing your job properly and making and achieving the correct results into actually inspiring people and um, creating excitement and creating, you know, the environment and culture yeah. around us that makes people want to do better? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, you know, especially for introverts, right? It's a little yeah. bit easier when you're an extrovert and you're out there and, and you know, you're, you're comfortable with that. Um, most of my clients, believe it or not, are introverts. However, mm-hmm. they've learned how to show up big mm-hmm. and do what they have to do, but then they go home and take a nap. They're not energized by it. It's exhausting. Um, But you don't (laughs) go from introvert, don't want to, you know, just throw a bomb in the middle of the conference room, you know, with the thing, you know, no one wants to talk about to doing that, right? You just don't do that. So what I would encourage people to do is start building those relationships. Because when you talk about inspiration, Mm -hmm. there is a direct line from inspiration to trust, Mm -hmm. right? And you build trust one person at a time. And when people trust you, then you have the ability to inspire and motivate. If they don't trust you, it doesn't matter how good of a salesperson you are, no one's buying it. And so, (laughs) you know, and this is especially really good for introverts because they do it one-on-one, right? You're going to build those relationships quietly in the, you know, behind the scenes, but much more personally versus, you know, trying to be everybody's best friend around a conference room table in the next 10 minutes. (laughs) And as an extreme extrovert, which I am, um, one of my mentors, Dan Troy, that I told you about, um, he's like, people don't trust you. And I was like, what? Like, I was devastated. And it was just because I didn't slow down. I didn't take the time to build the personal relationships and all of those other things. And so in that trust building, I think introverts have an advantage. And if you make that effort, so we do what I call um, a, um, a heat map of your power base. And so here's a a pro tip to try and figure out how you do this. And you do this in a smart way because we tend to hang out with people at our level or below because it's more comfortable, right? So you want to think about people in your organization and you want to think about the ones you work with, the ones one level above, two levels above, and then one level below. And you get those on a spreadsheet. 
And then what you do is you prioritize them in terms of the people that are most important for you to have those good relationships with. And then what you do, once you have your prioritized list, you red, yellow, green them. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a really good relationship and they know you well, it's great. If you know them a little bit, but not really personally, you know, you work together, that's yellow. And if they can't pick you out of a crowd of one, then that's red. <laughs> and so when you look at your prioritization in terms of the stakeholders and coworkers, and it, you can see the red, yellow, green, now you can start to see who do you need to start to reach out to and build that trust. Hmm. So interesting. And before you know it, you've got a whole bunch of people on your side and you're able to really inspire the things that you want to. All right. Now, I, I, there's so many different things we could talk about because you have your in your practice, you have many different areas that you're reaching out to that you're teaching people and you're coaching people about. But let's talk about the career pivot, because mm -hmm. I know a lot of our listeners are interested in this. A lot of our listeners come to us because they are interested in a career pivot. Maybe they are already in a male populated field and they just they're not they're not happy at their company and they want to try a different company and they want to try a different position, or maybe they just are, are starting to get into one of these fields from somewhere else. So um, someone comes to you and they say, Tammy, I, you know, I hate my job and I'm very unhappy. Uh, I want to do a career pivot, but I'm not sure what is right for me. What, how do you start? Yeah. Cause that's a hundred percent of our clients. Yeah. <laughs> what they don't want to do, but no one's really sure what they do want to do. It's like, yeah. I can tell you the stuff I don't want to do all day. And, <laughs> um, and so we turn the way you think about things upside down mm -hmm. all the time. You're trying to fit a company culture, right? Do I fit in? Do they want me? Are my skills valued? All those things. It's the wrong way to do it. Right? So what we really focus on for our clients that want to make a career pivot is to put yourself first. And when you understand like what your core values are, the areas and the situations that you've been most successful in, in the past, and then what was in play during those moments, and you start to develop those tasks and those skills that you could do all day, every day without being tired, then an image starts to form. And then once we get a sense of, you know, where you've been most successful, what lights you up and the values that you have. Then what we do is we start to look at, okay, where are your skills in high demand and in short supply? Because that's how you thrive. You don't go into a situation where the industry doesn't need you, or you don't go into the situation where they need you, but there's a million of other people just like you. And so given there's been so much volatility for decades at this point, whatever magic superpowers, and your, we call it your it factor that you bring to the table is in high demand somewhere. And that's where our coaches are able to help advise you on, okay, so let's look at all of this and see mm -hmm. where you are best positioned to be served and to serve. Um, and then we start to refine, okay, this is where you're going to point your arrow. How do you do it? How do you build the network that you need? Because you don't know anybody over there and all that kind of fun stuff, right? And then we get into the tactics. Um and so, but when you put yourself first and then really be smart about positioning and where you're going to go, then you become, and you know, just, just like kryptonite, right? Everyone is just completely drawn. You start bringing people in that you didn't even know about that are interested in you because you've got what they need. And there's so many skills that are not organic to an industry. You know, so if you like, I'll give you a good example, you know, I've got a huge client that has been profitable for a long time. Now they're not. And everyone that grew up in that company 
doesn't know how to grow through adversity. They don't know how to grow through spending less money. They don't know how to, you know, centralize operations to spend less money. They don't know how to do it because they've never had to. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got those skills, you are like golden right now. And so those types of situations are everywhere, right? You just need to know what it is you bring to the table and then have a good advisor help you figure it out. And typically it's going to be somewhere in the ecosystem that you work in. So when you think about same role, different industry, right? Or different industry, you know, and, and you know, those types of things. So we look at, do you want to keep the same role and move industries or do you want to change roles and stay in the same industry? Um, and you think about suppliers and vendors and all these other people that are kind of in that system and you mm-hmm. can make amazing pivots that completely change your life. doesn't feel like anything like what you've left. And then you're thriving again before you know it. You've got all this great advice about, you know, that you offer your clients. And it sounds to me the way you're explaining it, it really sounds like a system you've developed. It is. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's pretty clear that you have a system and, and you've, you probably developed it over years and you've been able to scale it, which is really interesting that it's not just you anymore. You've actually been able to take your system and scale it into five and now then it's going to double the next year uh, people. So how do you do that? What's, what's the system called and how does, how, how are you able to share it with others? Like, Absolutely. So the system is called the career success blueprint. Um, and so that really takes us from where, you know, where we started to, to where you end. Um, and the fun part is the results are amazing, right? So, um, 95% of our clients are in a new role within four to five months, making 20% more. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that people believe is that if I change, I have to give up something, right? Money, impact, influence, whatever. We found that to be not true. If you do it wrong, you do give up money, right? If you do it right, you don't. And so um, so our coaches all come from very specific fields and industries. And they tend to coach people just like them. Um, you know, so pharmaceutical or military, you know, or, you know, other business areas and things like that. So from that perspective, we have coaches that have walked in your shoes. They know what it feels like. Um, and with our training, with, you know, using the system, it's interesting because the system is very repeatable. However, every journey is totally unique because it's all about you. And so the pace that you move, the things that you thrive in, the things you get stuck in, where you end up, it's different for everyone, but really teaching people how to kind of be that Yoda and that guide for people Mm -hmm. to come in and use that um, has been incredibly successful. And how can our listeners find you, find Career Winner Circle, get in touch with somebody that can coach them and help them along their way in their career pivot? or in their leadership or in their entrepreneurial goals. Sure, absolutely. So um, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, right? For Tammy Alvarez or our company page on Career Winner Circle or uh, hop on to careerwinnercircle.com. And, um, you know, there's a button everywhere that you look saying, talk to a coach and that'll get you right in and you can talk to somebody on our team. Tammy Alvarez, CEO and founder of Career Winner Circle. Thank you so much for joining us today, telling us all about your business, your company, Career Winner Circle, and sharing your own story, which is so inspirational. That really, that was really shocked to hear that story. I think a lot of, a lot of people are going to be very inspired by it. And we learned a ton um, just in this short time with you about a leadership and, you know, how to reach your goals and how to make a career pivot. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you today. 
You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.